Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again on this Tuesday morning. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, you can go listen to it later. It will be posted at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, there is a lie going around, and it is catching. But it's a lie that's been going around since pretty much the beginning of time. And so you may not even be aware that it's a lie anymore. In fact, there is now such open suppression of the truth that in a recent opinion piece in the USA Today, it was actually framed this way. So this is like the this is literally like the word of God turned completely on its head and then presented to us uh, in in an op ed uh, in an easily easy to get American newspaper. Here's what the op ed says. People can favor long-held narratives over the truth. Now, this was an article about ensuring that all sex education everywhere at all levels of public school uh, be queer. That sex education at all levels of public education in the United States of America, the advocacy of this opinion piece in the USA Today centered on queer sex which I'm even going to try to define or describe because it's futile. That's what the piece is about. And so this comment, people can favor long-held, uh, long-held narratives over the truth, is an absolute perversion of reality. Do you see what they did there? They, they set the truth, this constructed reality of queer identity, over and against what they describe as long-held narratives. People can favor long-held narratives. Do you know what the long-held narrative is that they're talking about? Well, that would be the truth of the reality of the created order and the truth of who we know God to be and God's design um, for our best, for human flourishing. That long-held narrative, people can favor long-held narratives. By that, they mean everyone and anyone who believes what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul calls that the suppression of the truth. And I commend to everyone's reading today, rereading today, Romans chapter 1, where Paul makes very clear that the truth is evident to everyone. Why? Because the truth is that which corresponds to reality. I mean, Paul describes it as, you know, something that you can see by looking around, like the created order itself bears enough witness uh, that there is a God and the nature of that God that man is without excuse. Paul makes clear the truth is evident to everyone. Everyone grasps it. Just for a moment, consider this, that there are two ways to grasp the truth. Everyone grasps the truth, but not everyone grasps the truth in the same way. So 
I, Carmen, have taken hold of the truth in order that the truth might take hold of me. I am seeking to actively submit every day to the revealed truth of who God is and how God has described his best for us, his design for human flourishing. We would also call that the will of God. I grasp that truth with my heart and my mind and my life. Others are grasping the truth so as to suppress it. You can take hold of something in order that it can be your lifeline, and you can take hold of something in a completely different way in order that you can stuff it somewhere down in a deep, dark hole, never for it to see the light of day. So there are those in the world seizing the truth as if it might be wrestled to the ground and kept in service to themselves. Spoiler alert, that does not work. Why not? Because God is God and we are not. And the universe is his and not ours. Paul says in Romans 1, verses 19 and 20, the truth is evident to everyone because God actively makes it known to them and creation clearly reveals it. So sin is not the ignorance of reality, like some passive ignorance or forgetting God, um, as much in our generation as it is obscuring God himself. Sinners actually actively suppressing the truth about who God is, even though the reality of God is evident everywhere all the time. So reread Romans 1 today and consider or reconsider the truth and the invisible qualities of God. Consider God himself and know this. He loves you. God loves you. All right. Dr. Brett Nix is waiting in the wings. We're going to start off in a conversation about COVID. We'll be right back. Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association is back. Hey, Brett. Carmen, good morning. Great to be good here. Morning. How are you today? I am, I am well. It is well with my soul. God is good. I am loved. Totally. So are you. You know, it's, you know, so, yeah, thanks. I am, however, let me just confess, I um, had my annual exam and I was apparently uh, in need of the second of my shots for my um, uh, shingles vaccine. Ah, and, uh, okay, yes. I don't know that I've ever had a shot that hurt worse, like for yeah. 24 hours. So that's my current medical complaint. But I'm I'm now recovered from that. So there you go. Uh, but everybody tells me I'd rather have the vaccine than the shingles. So, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Absolutely. I had a patient who came in over the weekend who had shingles dealing with, you know, cancer, their body's immune suppressed had, and of course did not have that vaccine. And it was just horrifically painful for that individual. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, so lots of testimonies about how bad, um, how bad shingles is in the while I have been complaining about my reaction to that vaccine. Okay, but we're going to talk about different vaccine today. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about the numbers across the U.S. We're going to talk about boosters. You just start wherever you want and work your way through the list. Well, it's interesting. Think back to the last time we had this conversation. We were talking about the Delta variant. We were talking about the fact that we knew that it was coming and that it was just a matter of time as we looked at it. But what we said at that time was that the Delta variant was going to be an epidemic of the unvaccinated. And boy, what a conversation we had. When we look at it today, 
we're looking in general at you know thousands and thousands of new cases of COVID-19 every day. What we know about the Delta variant it is more contagious. The spread is much more rapid than the other. Now, recognize though, however, the variance of it as it relates to uh, its ability to, to cause death is not as great. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, one of our hospitals in our system, looking at the data from yesterday, there were 136 patients on the inpatient side that were in for COVID. Of those 136, only seven had vaccines. Of those in the ICU, of the 39, none of them were vaccinated. And of those 39 that had to be on the ventilator, of course, 31 of those, again, unvaccinated. And so we really see the value proposition of the vaccine. And what do we know? And this is, I think, the piece that people really need to understand. The vaccine does not stop you from getting COVID. It prevents you from getting serious illness related to COVID, things that put, put you at risk for death. And that is the, that is the essence of the vaccine. Um, and so when we look at things right now, I mean, this is, this is a heartbreak, but this is something that we also talked about before. And when we look at it right now within the U.S., we know there's about 90 million people that are still unvaccinated. And so they are incredibly at risk. Well, and my listeners know, and uh, Brett, you would have no reason to know this, that I just lost a brother-in-law to COVID. And uh, so this has been a very robust conversation in our home, in our community, in our church. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Let's talk about boosters. Um, Word on the street is, you know, those are headed our way. Yeah, it's a great question. So the one thing we know about vaccines is that when we get them, it mounts an immune response. The question we always ask is, well, how long does that immune response last? Just like with your tetanus booster, if you have had your tetanus shot and you remain without any substantial injury or or cuts, lacerations, or wounds, that's good for about 10 years, and then we get a booster. Well, when we look at our standard things with the influenza shot each year, we get it each year to go ahead and ramp our immune system up for the peak winter season when it comes through, knowing full well that it starts to fade after several months. Well, the same can be said within our COVID vaccines that we have had, which is the first one develops a great immune response. And we've seen lots of the literature, whether it be Pfizer or Moderna or J&J related to that. We continue to watch to see how long will that last. And it's interesting, recognize that there's not such a thing as a breakthrough infection. And you'll hear that term, and I think it's a misnomer because the vaccine, again, reduces the likelihood of serious infection. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. So there's a balance act. And so now we're saying, hey, after the initial vaccine, if you were in a two-shot series, the the Pfizer or the Moderna, uh, are we looking at a five-month? Are we looking at a six-month, maybe a nine-month window where we say, gosh, we need to go ahead and be re-immunized to go ahead and elevate our immunity again? And that's the question. So many people that had the initial shot in January had their subsequent shot in February. If you add in you know, anywhere between five and nine months in that, we're getting into that fall window. And the goal that we also know is we want to go ahead and cover ourselves with those boosters prior to the busy season of influenza. And again, who knows what the fall will hold as far as COVID. So all that to be said, boosters are a great idea. As far as the science behind the exact timing of it, we really don't know what the perfect duration is. As we also know, there was literature that said, hey, in some populations, I got their initial shot, but their second shot was delayed two or three months. They had an even more robust immune response. And so I think the reality of it is this. As the fall approaches, for those that had their shots in January, February, March, April, the early season uh, as they were available, anticipate that this coming fall, there'll be an opportunity to get a booster shot. And the literature that supports it coming out of Israel that has been doing it for five months is quite good. 
All right. Um, one quick um, question here from somebody on the text line. If I've already had COVID, do I need the vaccine? Great question. The answer is yes. What we have found as well is COVID will also mount, as you would expect, your own, your own body's immune response. You'll have antibodies to it. What they have found, however, is somebody who is fully vaccinated, who went for, through the two-shot series, losing Pfizer or Moderna as an example, the immune response that they have and the level of protection seems to last a whole lot longer, regardless of the level of infection of the person that had COVID by itself. So if you've had COVID and you've recovered, you're in that window of time downstream of it, uh, then this is the time for you to go ahead and get that initial immunization. For you, that will actually be like a second shot in theory because your body has already been exposed and you've already mounted a response. And so you will greatly increase the likelihood of having high-level protection. All right, Dr. Brett Nix and I are going to be back in just a moment. We're going to pivot from COVID to a couple of other um, health conversations. We'll be right back. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Brett Nix from the Christian Medical and Dental Association, where I am going to direct you to cmda.org for a really important press release um, uh, on a federal court case in Texas um, where a White House administration policy known as the transgender mandate has been blocked. So just want to um, just lift that up to you. You can find it at cmda.org. All right. Brett, let's talk about melioidosis. What is it and why are we talking about it? Yeah, so melioidosis is is a fascinating thing. It is an infection that has been around. It's a bacteria that lives commonly in the tropics. And the reason we're talking about it is because here as of late, we've had four cases and uniquely in four different states across the U.S. Um, and the, the challenge with melioidosis is that Typically, we don't find it in the U.S. There are, there are circumstances that we have, but it's a bacteria that is commonly affecting uh, humans and animals, and it's a bacteria that's found in contaminated water and soil. And why do we bring that up? Well, typically, we find it when people travel. You go to the tropics. Let's say you go to Central and Latin America, where it's known to be endemic in those areas. And granted, it's not so common even there, uh, but when it crosses into the U.S., we have conversation. And so what we have found is now with these four cases, and of course, you know, sometimes it can actually get into the, to, to the bloodstream and cause serious injury uh, and death. And in one circumstance, it has uh, the bacteria that comes across uh, remains rare. Now, let's bring this forward. What does this mean? Step back to the Rio Olympics. We were talking about Zika around the same period of time. We talked about something called chikungunya. These were viral vectors that existed because of mosquito processes that went around um, and some parasitic association components with those. Those came front and center. We had lots of concerns across the U.S. These things kind of ebb and flow. But when we look at melioidosis here, it is an infection, again, that is uncommon. It's at risk for those that have issues with diabetes and infections, and most commonly in the endemic areas in the tropics. It's where you're walking around barefoot, you have open wounds or sores on your feet, uh, and the bacteria goes through the soil and into, into the individual and becomes oftentimes just a wound infection. But on occasion, it can get into the bloodstream. And those are the circumstances that we're talking about here in the U.S. All right. And, um, and then I, I would love to talk with you about kids in America and the reality that they are eating highly ultra-processed foods. Like, there's probably not anything worse 
than loading our kids up with ultra processed foods. And yet apparently we're doing it. Yeah, boy, you, you bring great for, uh, bring forward a great point. There's a, a study that just came out, and in the st- study from uh, JAMA, the uh, Journal of Amer- uh, American Medical Association, they brought forward what I think for most of us is something that we would consider really a common sense story. Ready to eat, ready to heat meals, those things that people get at takeout, people that get through drive throughs has become a greater percentage of our diet, uh, especially for the young from age 2 to 19. Uh, it accounts for more than 11% of their caloric intake on a daily basis. So think about that. More than 10% of what they eat, and actually, to be honest with you, I, I suspect it's probably understudied because what they don't include necessarily in all of that are the packaged sweets and snacks and desserts and things along those lines, per se, um, that are there. But these ultra-processed foods, what do we know about them? They're high density of sugars, pure sugars, lots of salt, really low in fiber. And when we talked about it several uh, months ago, related to the increasing frequency of colon cancer in young individuals that we've not seen before. Really, this low fiber, high salt, high sugar diet, I'm sure is playing into that. But again, what is one of the greatest uh, epidemics in our country that has been ongoing for the last decade and greater is obesity. And obesity drives diabetes, it drives hypertension, it drives down the life expectancy of all the people in the United States. And this is not a competition that we wanna win, but unfortunately, the US is one of the top countries for obesity in the world. This study highlights the, the fact that, yes, you know what, they are convenient, but goodness gracious, we have to understand the value proposition of consumption. We have to understand the value proposition of diet. And the other thing that this study showed, which is very fascinating, it did not show a difference in the level of education of the parents as it related to the consumption of their kids. So this is something that crosses all boundaries, whether socioeconomic, whether educational or otherwise. Uh, this is something that we all need to pay attention to. I'm getting a flurry of activity on the text line um, because every time we talk about the COVID vaccine, um, people go crazy. And so let me just remind you, um, there are words that are not appropriate for you to text to me and I will block you. So um, please reread your own text messages to me and delete them if necessary. Um, And recognize that Brad's a real doctor who sees real patients and knows that real people are dying from a real disease. So I will platform every viewpoint if it's based in reality. Um, And so I know I might sound a little defensive right now, um, but what we are trying to offer you is, is reality as we recognize it and see it And yes, this uh, COVID is a moving target. And what we're dealing with right now is the reality of the Delta variant. And so coming along will soon be one with a different name. Um, I don't quite remember all my Greek, but there's another one coming after Delta. Lambda is next, uh, certainly on the horizon. So there will be another variant and we will talk again about how to fight that and whether or not the vaccines we have now are ramped up and ready to do that and whether or not we need boosters beyond the first booster. Like, we don't know the answers to all those questions yet, Um, but Brett's a real doctor and he's working every day in a real hospital environment serving real people who are really suffering with a real thing called COVID-19. So take a deep breath before you text me 
um, all your denials. So there you go. This Carmen being a little defensive this morning, having just buried her brother-in-law who died of COVID-19. And by the way, he wasn't vaccinated, nor is anybody else in the wing of the hospital where he was on a ventilator. So I might be a little touchy on this subject, and I recognize it, but I have good reason. Brett, thank you for joining us today. Again, let me commend to you guys the resources available to you at cmda.org. Don't miss the press release about the federal court case in Texas where they blocked a harmful White House administration policy known as the transgender mandate. All right, we got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right. Um, so this next conversation is going to be a little unusual, but, you know, I don't know, maybe we've gotten to the point where nothing's unusual for this program. We're going to talk about pot. I mean, the nice name for it now in the culture is cannabis. And so that's actually the book title, Cannabis and the Christian, what the Bible says about marijuana. But, you know, in the vernacular, it's still just pot. So is pot legal in your state? Is it legal for medical use? Is it legal just for recreational use? Has your pastor talked about it? Like how you having conversations in your church, in your small group about, you know, where we are as Christians on this topic? Um, this is, gets beyond, you know, did you smoke it in high school or college and or, you know, did you inhale? Like we have reached the point in, in the American culture where Christians have to know what the Bible says about these things. And we got to be able to engage in real conversation about it. So that's coming up next with author Todd Miles. The book is Cannabis and the Christian. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. After a few moments of flailing in the water, Peter turned back to Jesus Christ and cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, Jesus could have stilled this storm hours earlier, but he did not. He wanted to teach the followers a lesson. Storms are not an option, but fear is. God has hung his diplomas in the universe, rainbows, sunsets, horizons. His resume includes Red Sea openings, lion's mouths closings, Goliath topplings, Lazarus raisings, and his lesson is clear. He is the commander of every storm. Are you scared in yours? Then stare at him. Today, I'm hungry and I'm ready for change. I run too far to still be the same. All right, pot became legal in the state of Oregon in 2015, and Todd Miles is pretty much, I don't know, an Oregander. The right word, the right way to say that. He's a professor of theology at Western Seminary, which is in Portland, Oregon, where he teaches theology, church history, hermeneutics, and ethics. But prior to becoming a seminary professor, he was a nuclear engineer. Um, He is married. He's got six kids. So we could be talking with him about any range of topics today. But today we're going to talk about pot because Todd has now written what is the definitive guide, because no one else was willing to take up the topic, has now written the definitive guide on cannabis and the Christian, what the Bible says about marijuana. Todd, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, it's good to be with you. All right. So um, what's the most important question 
that you need to answer today for our audience if if the issue if the topic if the ethical debate going on in my in my life is is pot well we would probably want to ask are are we talking about recreational marijuana or are we talking about medical marijuana i think we should i think we should jump right into the conversation about recreational marijuana um and then we can back up and have a conversation about medical marijuana but let's talk about recreational pot yeah Uh, well there's not a whole lot in the Bible about marijuana, as as you might guess. The Bible has a lot to say about trees, and there's the occasional weed, and, and of course there's pots and pans, but, but but none of that is is really relevant at all to the issue of, of marijuana. And so we would want to know something about uh, what the Bible has to say about mind-altering substances, about uh, addiction, about pleasure, and, and the pursuit thereof. Uh, and, and then we would need to know something about what this substance actually does and how it works, what are the benefits, and what are the the risks. And, and, and then at that point, I think we can apply God's sufficient word to this. Um, and m- my burden in this is, is uh, are you thinking like a Christian? Are we bringing to bear God's sufficient word? And are we thinking as disciples of Jesus Christ when it comes to the use of uh, of recreational marijuana? Yeah, I like the way that you address the reality that we used to just be able to say, well, it's against the law. Like, yeah, like that was our as Christians, that was our defense. Well, it's against the law, so we don't have to have the conversation. But that answer is no longer available to us. And so we are um, we should have been preparing ourselves all along for an ethical conversation based on the Bible. But we have in ethics, not only in this area, but in other areas, relied largely on, you know, what is legal or illegal in the culture. But that sh- that sand is shifting radically, not just on this point, but on other points as well. So I think that leading us through this process on this topic is really helpful. Yeah, that was something that I wanted to do in the book was uh, to give good information about uh cannabis and and but 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 also to to model how to think biblically about something that's not in the bible uh because you are absolutely right uh you know maybe in the past we could have relied on federal government city government state government as a guide as to what is right and wrong uh, but we were probably fooling ourselves back then and, and and now we have to actually think like christians on this issue so let's model that for folks. When we talk about thinking biblically about something that's not expressly addressed in the Bible, um, I'm thinking there that understanding the full counsel of God is really important, which means you need to have read um, the whole thing. Uh, and that is, yes. that's, a big, that's a big first bite. So talk, so talk about that. Like, how do we get to the place where we can think biblically about things that are not in the Bible? Well, I think you're correct. We we do have to understand the the whole redemptive storyline. We need to understand the the story of Scripture. We need to understand that that God is the good Creator of of all things. And and so when when it comes to to cannabis, I think we would have to say, well, cannabis is the good creation of God. Um, if the Bible ended at Genesis two, if if human history like just went on in Genesis two without a fall, then then maybe we could stop there. Uh, but of course, that's not what happened. Genesis three, we we do have a fall in, into sin, and and what we find out is that God's good gifts can be misused 
sinfully, re rebelliously. Um, and, and this world is, is broken and, and it's dangerous. Uh, you know, I would say that, that, that arsenic is the good gift of a generous God, uh, but it can be misused, obviously. And, and so um, wine and, and alcohol, again, I would, would submit are, are the, the good gifts of a good and generous God. But, but those we know from Scripture can be misused. And, and, and I think that's where we can begin to uh, apply some of what God has to say. Um, it's probably not going to do just to substitute, you know, marijuana every time we see the word uh, pot or I'm sorry, wine, um, you know, because because wine is, is celebrated and it's also part of religious rites. Uh, we. <laughs> probably are going to go off the rails pretty quick if we uh, look at the Lord's Supper and then start start substituting marijuana in for uh, for, 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 for wine. Um, uh, but uh, the Bible has an awful lot to say about mind-altering uh, substances. It has a lot to say about intoxication. And, and so uh, helpfully, uh, because the Bible tells us why it is sinful to be intoxicated, then we can begin to connect some dots. Um, uh, drunkenness is is forbidden in the Bible because it, it alters our our cognitive abilities. It diminishes them. It, it diminishes our physical abilities and and it diminishes our moral judgment. And and, and so knowing something about how marijuana works, uh, demonstrably uh, intoxication through marijuana does all three of those things. It diminishes our our cognitive abilities. It diminishes our physical abilities and it and, and it impedes our moral judgment. And, and for, the, for that reason, I think we can connect dots and say, okay, intoxication through uh, alcohol is clearly forbidden in the scriptures. And so therefore intoxication by, uh, by, by marijuana, the, 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 the marijuana high uh, would, would also be forbidden. Yeah, see, that is really helpful. Thank you for laying down the bricks um, that we can then take a step onto as we're trying to think biblically about something that's not expressly addressed in the Bible. The book is Cannabis and the Christian, what the Bible says about marijuana. Todd Miles is the author, and he and I will be right back. Continuing our conversation with Professor Todd Miles, the book is Cannabis and the Christian, What the Bible Says About Marijuana. All right, Todd, so um, let's pivot and have a conversation about medical marijuana and the use of um, marijuana as a controlled substance. Yes. Yeah, let's do that. So where we, you know, where we walked through applying the teaching of the Bible on drunkenness and intoxication related to alcohol um, to marijuana um, in terms of recreational use, walk us through the same kind of conversation if we're going to apply it to a medical problem, and we're going to do so under doctor supervision. Yeah. And, and again, here's a place where um, I think that, that the legalization of, of medical marijuana in most states in the country now uh, and, and it's just a matter of time, I suspect, before it's legal everywhere, uh, has, has actually been a bit helpful uh, because of the stigma associated with, with marijuana. Uh, a lot of Christians are wondering, well, you know, this was recommended to me by, by, by may, maybe even a doctor, but, but certainly by family or, or friends, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're asking, is this okay for, for me to use? And, uh, and then 
maybe we should have been asking those questions about opioids and, and other uh, mind-altering substance or, or, or highly addictive substances as well. Because as you know, we're in the middle of, a, of an opioid addiction epidemic right now. Um, okay, so what do we do with, with medical marijuana? Well, again, we would want to, to think about what the Bible has to say about, about suffering, uh, about medicine, about healing, uh, those sorts of things. Um, uh, we, we didn't talk about the risks associated with marijuana use, uh, but, but there are many of them. Uh, uh, most of those risks you will not hear about in popular culture. You're certainly not going to hear about them from the marijuana lobby. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, all of those risks uh, pertain to the medical use of marijuana because there's there's no difference between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana in terms of the substance, right? You you go to a, a cannabis dispensary. I actually don't the, the know. You see, you can't you can't ask me rhetorical questions about pot because I won't know any oh. of the answers. <laughs> so yeah. I should ask: okay. Is there a difference between medical marijuana and recreational pot? Uh, no, there's not. Uh, you, you you will walk in uh, if you have a, a, a medical card um, and, and you will be buying at the same counter from the same uh, sources. Uh, it, it will look the same. They'll put it in the same bag for you and then you can go use it as, as you wish. Um, it's, it's it's very difficult, of course, to, to prescribe marijuana uh, because THC levels are, they vary so, so rap, uh, dramatically from uh, from uh, source to, to source, uh, you uh, also. Um, okay, I have some very pedestrian. Very people respond I have very some differently. Horribly pedestrian oh. questions now. Go for it. Okay, so cannabis and marijuana and pot are all the same thing. Marijuana, that That's is, true. they're all the same thing. CBD is the same thing, or it is different, and. Um, I, I, you know, without outing somebody who is clearly got a question on their mind, apparently you can yep. get edibles that taste like a birthday cake um, and they want to oh, know yes. uh, about that. So I think that there's a lot going on out there in the culture that we just don't know a lot about in this area. Uh, yes. And, and so uh, so if you're a pastor or a parent, you'd want to edu educate yourself quickly. Um, the, the, so, so, so cannabis is the name of the plant. Uh, it, 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 it comes from the, the Latin name for, for, for the plant. Um, and marijuana is a slang name that's, that's very popular. So is pot uh, for usually at this point, the uh, dried uh, parts that are ready to consume for either recreational or, or medical uh, use. Uh, there's the, the mind-altering substance, or one of the mind-altering components is THC. Uh, CBD is a component of the uh, marijuana plant as well. Um, it is mind-altering in the sense that it is a uh, psychoactive uh, mood altering uh, drug, but it's not intoxicating. So most of the time we would say in, in discussions that, 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 that CBD, because it's not, my, uh, not intoxicating, it, it's not mind altering. My concerns with CBD are, are, are very minimal. Um, <laughs> as, you know, as, a, as a pastor, as an elder in the church, I'm not at all concerned with, when people are using CBD. Um, although I would want my, uh, the, the people um, 
in, in my church to, to understand what CBD is and, and, and how it functions. Okay, that's super helpful. All right, so I apologize that I interrupted you while you were answering oh, um, the question about medical marijuana, but everybody's yeah. like texting in like, well, is there a, di- I mean, like, we don't know. So it's super helpful. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Okay. So circling well, back, so circling back around, um, maybe you want to talk about the risk. Maybe you just want to invite us to learn more because clearly there's a lot of learning that needs to happen on this topic. Well, and, and, and that's the thing is if we're taking our cues from the popular culture, uh, we're, we're not going to learn what we need to know in, in order to make good discipleship decisions. That That's really my burden with this. You know, I, I don't want to bring any moral judgment against people uh, who who use recreationally uh, or who use medically. Uh, now, intoxication, I, I would argue for re- for recreational purposes, is is certainly sinful. Um, there are a number of people who have been helped uh, by by marijuana in terms of of medical use. And, and, and I think we would have to admit that, uh, that a lot of psychoactive drugs are, are prescribed and used. And, and, and I have no problem with that, uh, right? Uh, you know, if you've, uh, well, opioids are prescribed because they are very, very effective. Um, now, I, I, I would say that a lot of the uh, so-called benefits of medical marijuana are are greatly exaggerated. Uh, the anecdotal stories abound. I, 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 I've been talking on this issue for for almost ten years now, uh, ever since marijuana was was legalized in uh, the state of Washington, which is just right across the river from from Portland. Um, and 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 I, I get all sorts of emails that you know marijuana cured my my father of cancer and it's, uh, well you know if if that's what the Lord chose to do through marijuana that's great I I wish I wish marijuana cured cancer um, but but THC does have some medical benefits and and the FDA has has approved a, a number of of drugs uh, where THC has been isolated and and it can be prescribed um, CBD uh, has has. A, a number of benefits as well, uh, some some very encouraging and, and helpful benefits uh, to uh, children uh, who who suffer from from seizures. Um, and it, my concern is that we think like disciples of Christ, and that we do these things with accountability, um, and that we, we know what we're doing when we are are, are using. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so helpful. Todd, um, maybe we could just go ahead and say we might need a second conversation um, on this topic because we have lots of questions and concerns and people have texted all kinds of things that there's no way we can get to today because we're out of time. But um, it, obviously a a real conversation that real people are really having and we need to do so with the kind of resource that you're offering us. So Let me just remind everybody, we are talking with Todd Miles. The book is Cannabis and the Christian, What the Bible Says About Marijuana. And I'm just going to go ahead and ask you to come back. I would be happy to do so. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's uh, almost all the time we've got today. We've got one more brief break, and then we'll close it up on this Taste and See Tuesday. We'll be right back. All right, I am going to encourage each and every one of us to be quick today to bless other people. Be quick today 
to remind people that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are loved, that they are precious, that God is for them and not against them, that God has entered into human reality in the person of Jesus Christ, and he has come to solve all the things that we had broken, including ourselves, including our relationships with each other, including the things that we've done to these temples, these bodies that he's given us, on and on and on and on and on. So be gracious today um, in the spirit of Christ, who is the manifestation of grace, where holiness and love. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.